Welcome to the Narrators Podcast. I'm Robert Rutherford. And I'm Andrew Orvidal. This podcast collects stories that were told at the Narrators, a monthly storytelling event that features people telling true stories based on a theme. The show takes place on the third Thursday of every month at the Deer Pile in Denver, Colorado. These stories were recorded live on June 20th, 2013. The theme for the night was Insults and Injuries. All right, our next storyteller is the co-host of this very show. I love this guy a whole bunch. Uh, if you want to see him in other settings, uh, he is one of the members of the Grolix, and they have a show on the last Friday of every month at the Bug Theater. And he recently put out a CD called Hit the Dick Lights, which is out on Greater Than Collective Records. You can find it on the intertubes. Please welcome Andrew Orvidal. I don't want to follow Ellen, who's, like, legitimately talented. That's never going to happen again, Robert. Make a note of it. I meant to go home and change before I came, but I ran out of time. So I look like a little boy in his special shoes. But I have a story about bicycles, so you can just pretend like it's an extra immersive experience. Um, I'm going to tell two really short stories time. Uh, This first story is kind of a funny example of which details are important to someone when they're hearing a story. Uh, When I was 10, my family, my whole family went up to the mountains uh, to stay with uh, this guy Leroy and uh, his girlfriend at their cabin. I only remember his name because he was like a five-foot-tall Filipino dude with a pencil mustache named Leroy, and they don't make people that cool anymore. So I'll always remember that guy's name. So we went up to the mountains, and we just did fun outdoor shit, you know, we like shot a bow and arrow and just screwed around and we rode their all-terrain vehicles around. So one day, uh, my dad and my brother and I, we go out on the uh, all-terrain vehicles. I'm on a four-wheeler and my dad and my brother are on a three-wheeler and we just go riding down uh, this dirt mountain road. And uh, (laughs) after a while, my dad and my brother, their three-wheeler runs out of gas, which is great wilderness preparation on my dad's part. Um, just totally out of gas. So my dad's like, all right, Andy, you ride back to Leroy's cabin. Tell him we're out of gas. He'll bring gas to us. This is like your mission, and it's like really important. And I'm like, oh, yes, like this is so thrilling and terrifying. So I ride back by myself, and I'm terrified of getting hit. There's like pickup trucks and cars on this dirt road, and I'm like terrified of being killed by one coming around a curve. So I'm riding the four-wheeler on like the extreme shoulder of this dirt road like because i'm just i'm just scared i should be like just taking up road space but instead i'm like on the side of the road and i'm and i'm like coming around a curve and there's like one of those drainage ditches or whatever it is and i lose the four-wheeler on the gravel shoulder and i fall into the drainage ditch and it falls on top of me into like the soft dirt and i'm like stuck and it like it hurts but it's not like a horrible accident cuz i wasn't even going that fast but i'm but i am stuck underneath it it's like on top of me and i'm in the soft sand and i'm like oh god like i can't get out and i'm i'm not strong enough to like pick it up off of me so i'm just stuck under this four wheeler and so i just start yelling for help but there's nobody around nobody hears so i'm just like stuck there and i'm waiting and waiting and i was like 10 so i didn't really like ponder like that I could just die there I was just like this is inconvenient and so after (laughs) after enough time goes by I really had to pee so I just peed my pants (laughs) while I was down there and I just wait and I don't remember how long I don't even know if I even asked how long I'd been there but it was probably 
like an hour and a half. I was stuck under there. I don't know. I don't know the exact... It felt like a fucking eternity. And I'm finally rescued by my dad and my brother who got sick of waiting for the gas. We're walking back down the road and they came upon this four-wheeler that was upside down with me pinned under it. And they're like, God damn it. Like, what's happened? And they had to like pull it off me. That's the story. I just took my three-year-old daughter up to the mountains, and while we were up in the mountains, I told her that story, and she loved it. (laughs) She couldn't hear this story enough, so I kept telling her the story. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of like an adventure. So I kept telling her as we went on a hike. She loved it. She couldn't get enough of it. A couple days after that mountain hike, we're we're at my house, and she asked me to tell her the story again. So I've already told it so many times. I'm like, all right. And I tell her like a quick version of it that has what I consider to be all of the important details. We run out of gas. I ride the four-wheeler back. I get trapped underneath. I get rescued. Like, that's it. That's like the core part of the story. And she goes, aren't you forgetting something? (laughs) And I'm like, no, that's what happens. And she goes, the accident? Because to her, being in preschool, peeing yourself and having that accident is far more interesting than being trapped under a four-wheeler. And I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I peed myself. Fine. Is that what you wanted to hear? And she's just delighted. She's like clapping. She's like, yes. And that's what she'd wanted to hear the whole time, as it turns out. So, thanks, Tony. (laughs) That is the end of my first story, so thank you uh, for that. The second story, uh, real quick, I... uh, I uh, often ride my bike, which is why, again, I'm dressed like this. And I often ride my bike drunk. I consider myself really good at it. Like, I'll ride my bike, like, blackout drunk. I'm like, I don't understand how I can not remember shit, but I was able to balance all the way home. That's weird and sort of terrifying. But you just get used to it, and you're like, yeah, I can do it. My greatest concern at this point is, like, leaving my bike on the lawn and then, like, having it stolen. That's, like, the greatest hazard for me now. Or being killed, but I'm, whatever. Well, I'm not just lose the bike. But I always ride my bike with a helmet. I used to be a bike messenger, and I had some, like, I got hit by a few cars, and so I was like, I'll just always wear a helmet. But when this story happened, this is the one night I didn't wear a bike helmet. Uh, this is, like, six years ago, and I went and did comedy down at the uh, Comedy Works, and uh, part of the fun of doing comedy at the Comedy Works is you get to drink whatever you want, really cheaply. So I always usually take advantage of that. So I drank, like, a metric shit ton of bourbon, and then I rode home. And I didn't have my bike helmet, but it's mostly Cherry Creek Path. Whatever, I don't need a bike helmet. Who gives a shit? And so, uh, is what I'm thinking in my drunk, blissful state. So I make it back to my neighborhood on South Broadway. I'm on Sherman, uh, just a quiet side street. And, uh, and I'm wearing a messenger bag with a laptop in it, just kind of a pointless detail. And there's a taxi cab uh, just in the middle of the road with its lights on. It's not going anywhere. It just stopped in the middle of the road. So as I'm riding up, nothing's happening. So I go to, to ride my bike between the right side of the taxi cab and all of the parked cars. Not a, a crazy move at all. I'm not going especially fast, just riding down. And whoever's in the back seat suddenly throws open the back door of the cab immediately in front of my in front of my path like whoa fuck shit like it's the worst thing that can happen to you on a bike getting doored that's like the urban myth of like bikes like that's the worst thing that could ever happen and it's just happening to me somehow i managed to throw uh, this is pretty amazing given how shit-faced i am i should have just ran into it like not even stopped just and just been killed or something given how drunk i am but somehow i managed to like throw my body up and off of my bike to the right 
and onto the back windshield of a parked car right there. But I don't quite get my whole body off the bike, and my right finger is still on my brake lever, which then comes into contact with the side edge of the taxi cab door as I'm riding. So it's like smack, and I like roll up onto the car and then roll back down onto the concrete. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And like everybody gets out. They're like, geez. And I'm like sitting there like, oh, and I look at my hand, and my left finger is like sort of out and then up <laughs> this finger, and it's like the size of like an Italian sausage, basically. But here's the thing. I've like pre-anesthetized myself <laughs> for like Civil War surgery with the amount of bourbon I drink. So I think my finger must be dislocated. Like I've never dislocated a finger, but I'm like, that's probably what happened here <laughs> is my finger's just out of joint. Like it has to be popped back in. And I'm just like so angry, like the dipshit who's also drunk. I don't know why I'm calling him a dip. He did throw the door open on me without looking, but he's also shit-faced. He's like, whoa, fuck. And the cab driver's just kind of like, well, I don't know what's going on. Like he's waiting for the cops. So I'm trying to pop my finger back into place. <laughs> As I later found out, it's broken in two places diagonally. And I'm just like <laughs> grinding it back. Like it'll just pop back in at some point and I'm just like pissed I'm just like angry that it happened the laptop's fine I didn't like hit my head amazingly I didn't have a helmet um, but I look over oh, I forgot to the intro to the story is why I hate taxi cabs and this is why and I look over and the cab driver is looking at me and laughing like he thinks it's like funny and I'm like what like are you I look I'm like oh something funny must be happening behind me not like the injured dude on the side of the street but it's me, and he's, like, laughing because he thinks it's funny. I'm like, what a fucking asshole. This guy is, that's just an aside of why I, I have now applied that to all taxi cabs and hate all taxi cabs. But, so the cops come, and they're like, uh, uh, the cop is like, okay, well, what happened? And we explain what happens. He goes, all right, I'm going to meet you at the hospital. You should go to the hospital. I go to the hospital. They do the x-ray. They're like, yeah, it's broken. They put pens in it. They put me in a cast. Cop never shows up to the hospital and I keep calling the police station trying to find the report because everyone I've asked is like, yeah, if you get doored, it's their fault. The last person who could avoid an accident is at fault. And if you open your door on someone, it's your fault. And I've, I know that because I opened a car door once and a car drove into the door and it was my fault. So I'm like, that makes sense. But there's no report. I keep calling. And they're like, we don't have a report under your name. We don't have any incident. And so I finally tracked down the cop who responded, who never came to the hospital. I finally catch him when he's at the station. It was like, it took a long time. It was like a month. It was all these phone calls. And like, can you tell me like who responded? Like who was in the area? Like, cause they had to have a record of that. So I did find out and I finally get the fucking asshole on the phone. And he goes, and I was like, yeah, you never even, you didn't remember me at the hospital. You never filed a report. And he goes, yeah, why would I file a report? You hit a parked car. I'm like, it's parked in the middle of the street. It's a, you can't park in the middle of the street. And he's like, taxis can. And I was like, what? So that's just a PSA to you. If you see a cab in the middle of the street, know that it's parked and somebody could just throw open the door at any time and it would be your fault. So just a free tidbit of knowledge for you. Thanks. Andrew Orvidal with another PSA. Our next storyteller... Uh, has been a great creative force here in Denver. Uh, he performed with heavyweight dub champion and uh, put out some records as apostle. And right now he's working on his newest performance piece, uh, of which he is doing a reading at the Lita Project on July 18th. It's called Who Killed Jigaboo Jones? Please welcome Jeff Campbell.
Good evening. This has been very strange and inspiring and depressing, and this is a, it's an interesting night. Okay, so um, injuries and insults, I've got plenty. Um, my three stories, uh, I'll just tell you, they're about uh, three times that I escaped death. These are three times, it's true stories, that I uh, should have died but didn't. And I realized that it's because um, I'm a superhero with superpowers <laughs> and um, because I had this greater purpose in life. I'll go in chronological order. I think I was 19 years old and I was working at a 7-Eleven and I wouldn't sell these uh, guys uh, alcohol because they didn't have their ID. And that was the policy. And, you know, there's a video camera and my boss, you know, liked to watch the tapes and I was going to follow procedure and no, I would not sell them uh, alcohol. About 15 to 20 minutes later, there's a guy who's about 6'4", about 230 pounds, who is uh, looking for the Coca-Cola, two-liter bottles of Coca-Cola that are on sale. I said, they're right over there, sir. And he bends down, picks them up, and as he's uh, going to put them on the counter, he's standing right in front of me, and I'm standing at the cash register, and a 9-millimeter bullet hits him right in the back, in the small of his back, like right in between his shoulder blades, and it's like, you know, just like real, I mean, the way, in the trajectory of the bullet, and this large man is standing there, and I'm standing right there, it could have easily, you know, hit me in the skull. So he drapes over the um, cash register, and back then, um, I'm very old, so back then, telephones had cords, on them, so I fell to my back and I jiggled the cord off and I dialed 911, I'm behind the counter and I said, I'm at 7-Eleven, this is in Sacramento, California, by the way. The, um, I'm in 7-Eleven and somebody is shooting at me, please come. And then I crept around the counter, pulled the guy into the back, put ice cream, I put some ice cream on his back for about 30 minutes before the, the cops got there. And the cops said to me, you should really find another job because uh, we can't protect you. You know what I'm talking about? So that guy, um, and he was right. I really should have found another job because a week later, this is the insult. A week later, I was fired for being like $10 over, uh, under in my cash register. So that was the insult. Okay, so... Um, yeah, he was fine. They took him to the hospital, and he lived. They pulled the bullet out of his back. Yeah. But he didn't come back to 7-Eleven, at, at least not within that week's time. Um, so escape death number two, uh, this was like 2004, and at this point, um, I thought I was a revolutionary, I think it was. Does anybody know Sharif Alim? Does anybody know who Sharif Alim is? Okay. So Sharif Alim, he's on KGNU. He's a, he's a radical activist here in town. And he, uh, we, me and him were protesting when this kid, Paul Childs, was killed by a police officer. And we decided to protest the maraid at um, uh, MLK Maraid. Uh, familiar with, with that? Has anybody heard of that? Anyway... 
uh, Hickenlooper got up to speak, and when Hickenlooper got up to speak, we were yelling, fire killer cops, fire killer cops. And the Denver Post took a picture of us, and we were on, we were in the front page of the paper of the Denver Post with this picture, and I was like, yeah, I'm radical, I'm militant, yeah, yeah. You know, I thought I was really, I was really impressed with myself. My friend asked me to meet him over at, um, it was, it was, it's, I think it's called City O City now, but back then it was called uh, Watercourse. It was actually called Watercourse, and I miss the old Watercourse, and I like the menu better. But um, he asked me to meet him at Watercourse. This was like two days later, and I was in the paper, okay? So I was in the paper, and I'm running down the street, and I'm trying to, I'm walking from uh, Welton Street, and I'm crossing Welton and uh, Park Avenue, and I see this cop park there, and I was like, oh shit, there's the cops. I don't want them to see me because, you know, I was protesting. And I'm thinking this to myself. Yeah, I know, I know. And so I'm looking at this cop as I'm crossing the street, right? And I'm jogging across the street. And I'm looking at the cop. And I'm focused on the cop. And then when I turn around, there's a Saturn going about 35 miles an hour. And it's about four feet away from me at this point. So all I could do was kind of like scrunch up into a ball, and I flip over the car, and I see sky, ground, sky, ground, sky, ground. And then I slide, because it's snowing, it's a snowstorm, and I just slide, and I slide, and then I'm on my back. It was just the weirdest thing how I slide, and then I turn around, and there's a truck coming. So I jump up, and I do like this Terminator like digital assessment of my bodily injuries, like broken leg, broken leg, broken leg. And I hobble out of the street before I get hit by this car and I just fall into the sidewalk. So the cop walks over to where I'm, 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 I'm laying on the sidewalk and he goes, dude, you caught some serious air. And I go, my leg is broke. And he goes, have you been taking drugs? And I go, no, my leg is broke. What year is it? It's 2004, my leg is broke. Who's the president? George W. Bush, and my leg is broke. So he's like, okay, all right. So he calls the um, ambulance. The ambulance comes. They take me in the ambulance. The guy in the ambulance is like, damn, you should buy a lottery ticket because holy shit, you got, wow, you know what I'm saying? So it's crazy, right? So I get there to the hospital, and the, the doctor's like, are you okay? I'm like, fine, my leg is broke. And he picks up my leg and twists it, and I scream, and he's like, yeah, that's broke. <laughs> so that was the, injury, the insult part again. So number three, this one's good. By this time, I really believe that I'm like a full-blown rap star in, in my brain. I really believe that I am. And... I live in San Francisco. I even moved to San Francisco because I thought I was a rap star. So I moved to San Francisco and I'm living the, you know, San Francisco life in a warehouse. And, yeah. And my, um, a friend of mine says, hey, uh, for New Year's Eve, 2007 this was, New Year's Eve, we want you to open up for MF Doom down at, um, d d does anybody know who MF Doom is? Okay. 
down at, um, in L.A. So going to L.A. to go open up Frame F Doom, I don't have a car because, you know, rap stars, we ain't got time for that shit. You know what I'm saying? So um, my roommate who does lighting and, and tech stuff, he's like, can I come? Can I get a job? So I'm getting $300 to open up for MF Doom, and I'm broke as shit because, I'm a, I mean, that's how we do it, you know? We don't, you know? I mean, real, you know, cats. That's how they do it. Anyway. So uh, my roommate says, I'll drive you down there. And he's got a Toyota 4Runner. And he brought his motorcycle. His motorcycle was mounted on the back of the truck. So we drove down there. And I meet the promoter. My friend is, is playing there, too. And she, she introduces me to the, to the promoter. The promoter's like, you know, here you go. Here's your green room. And here's a quarter bag of some 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 kill some really good ganja and so i was like cool i got some weed you know what i'm saying i'm gonna save this for later and i put it in my sock and so um the show goes on and i wind up playing for mf doom in this i wind up playing in this little tiny room and i don't play the big stage where mf doom is playing i was like wow that's fucked up and so and then I'm like, well, yo, let's get the money and then let's, you know, uh, let's party because we're down in L.A. So the promoter has now disappeared. And then so I'm like, well, you know, we need to get our money because I'm broke. And I drove all the fucking way down to L.A. from San Francisco. And I need some money. OK, so um, and I don't even have enough money for a hotel. We were going to crash at this dude's place. And the dude uh, is drunk somewhere and not answering his phone. The promoter is at some after party. We drive to the after party. We can't get in. And so I'm looking at my roommate. My roommate is drunk as shit. So, he, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to drive back to San Francisco. Fuck it. We're just going to drive back to San Francisco. Went to the uh, gas station, filled up the gas tank. It's got to be about 4 a.m. And I was like, I'm going to get some coffee. Nah. I'm going to wait, and I'm going to get some coffee once I get, you know, a little way up the highway. The sun starts to come up. It's about 6.30 or so, and um, we're about at Magic Mountain. I don't know if you guys know the five California, if anybody's, I don't know, travel California at any rate. So I'm driving, right, and then I, I notice that the, you know, that part of reality is disappearing, like, like, I'm like, and the last thing I remember is like, I'm going to pull over and get me some coffee because I'm a little tired. Then the next thing I know, I'm slamming into a guardrail and going over a 70-foot ravine in my, fr- in my roommate's truck. We go flip once, flip twice, and land on top of, you know, on the tires at right next to this gigantic um, boulder that was there. And, I mean, we, we literally flipped twice, landed on the, on the tires, and my roommate is so goddamn drunk, he's still asleep. Okay? So um, I'm like, wake up, and he's like, wow, what the fuck? Where are we? What? And he's like, come on, let's go. I'm like, we can't go. There is the, your, your truck is totaled. I'm sorry, man. Just shoot me in the face with a bazooka. And he says, you know, Jeff, let's just get through this, you know. It's good to have the hippies as friends sometimes. And so 
We get out of the car, doing another assessment, no injuries. This is where the story, this is where the shit gets really, really strange. No injuries. Get out. The flight for life helicopter is flying flying by because people that were on the highway saw that shit and said, there's two motherfuckers dead in a truck. You know, go get them. And... We weren't dead. We were fine. Neither one of us had any injuries. The seatbelt, I don't know. The seatbelt works. It works. So at any rate, we're waiting there, and California Highway Patrol shows up. And they're like, yeah, okay, do an assessment. And they were cool. I was expecting LAPD type of cops, and I was scared to shit. I was scared to death. And my license was suspended in Colorado because I was driving without insurance out here or whatever. So I was afraid, and they were like, give me your ID. And they were like, license valid. Strangest shit. My license is valid? I was like, yeah. And then they were like, why don't you have a seat in the squad car and we'll just, you know, we'll figure something out for you. So they're just, and I'm tripping. And all of a sudden I remember, I got weed in my sock. And I was like, oh, shit, I got weed in my sock. I'm going to jail. And so um, I go, hey, I forgot... Uh, my backpack and stuff, I got to go back down there and go get, my, um, go get my backpack and stuff. So I go back down to the truck to go get my backpack. And then I'm like, cool. And so my backpack had these little um, pockets on the side of it. I take the weed out and I put it in my backpack. I'm like, I got this, right? So I get back up to the squad car and the dude goes, okay, well, I'll need to search that backpack. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I reached in real quick, threw the weed into my uh, jacket pocket and handed him that, and he patted it down. He was like, okay, cool. He opened it up. He looked at it. He's like, cool. He goes, now I need to search. I need to just uh, frisk you to make sure you don't have any. I said, okay. So I put the weed back in the backpack, and I set it down on the ground, and he patted me down. And he was like, okay, cool. Jump back in the squad car. And I was like, I jumped back in the squad car. Um, my mom wired me some money because that's how rap stars do it. And then um, we got back to San Francisco. Got back to San Francisco, settled down. Everybody's hugging us. Thank God you guys are safe. Um, next week or so, my uh, roommate calls the insurance folks. The insurance folks. And then, well, Jeff is actually driving. Uh, give the, give the uh, phone to Jeff. Gives the phone to me and says, what happened? And I said, well, I lost control of the vehicle. That's what I said. I didn't say while I was asleep. But I said, I lost control of the vehicle. They said, okay, thank you. So two weeks later, my roommate gets a check from the insurance for $25,000. And then he buys himself a customized Harley Davidson. And... Um, that was the end of that. So I didn't go to jail for the weed. My license was miraculously unsuspended. I didn't die or I didn't have a scratch on me. And so this was telling me that I, in fact, am a superhero, that I have a purpose in life, and this purpose is simply this, to tell all of you to live your life to the fullest because you never know what might happen. Peace.
The Narrator's podcast is recorded and produced by the Denver Diatribe. Check out their weekly show at denverdiatribe.com. The Narrator's podcast is brought to you by these amazing sponsors. The great guys at Illegal Pete's and Greater Than Records, who in addition to providing rad burritos all over town, provide great local music and comedy. Check out the appropriately named Sexy Pizza at either of their locations in Capitol Hill or Old South Pearl. Or on their website, sexypizzaonline.com. And finally, by the internet superheroes at Commerce Kitchen, who provide internet marketing solutions and search engine optimization for all your e-commerce needs. Check them out at commercekitchen.com. For more information about the narrators and to listen to past episodes, go to the narratorspodcast.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>